This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes, people such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time but still found the time to create a course grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. Hello, my friends. This is uh, this week's episode of the Hero Academy. We have Bridget Truillo. Is that is that you said? Truxillo. It's a tricky Truxillo. one. Truxillo. Truxillo. Nope. You told me that before, and I should have remembered. My okay, bad. Okay, it's a tough one. Yeah, if you are a police officer, fireman, EMS, military, medical professional, then you are in for a treat because we have a former deputy turned. Attorney, did I get that right? Yep, yep. All right, I'll let you tell your story. So uh, I asked before if you retired and you said you actually resigned before retiring. Mm-hmm. How long, long How long did you did you actually do? So I was in, uh, um, I was at Sheriff's Office in Florida. I usually, I mean, I don't have, I'll just leave the name out, but I, I, they're all still great guys. Well, most of Some. them. <laughs> um, uh, the, but uh, I was in for four and a half years. So I, right when I started learning patrol, like everybody, uh, within a year, I was in an undercover narcotics unit. So then I spent the next three years about, um, I say, buying crack for a living. And then I was also about three months after I got onto the narcotics unit, I got on the SWAT team. And so I was the only female member of the SWAT team. And because of that experience, I left law enforcement. Um, I thought I wanted to be federal law enforcement. So I was doing the sheriff's office to get there, um, to get the experience. And then in, in hindsight, seeing, well, I went to the narcotics unit because I thought that would make me more, a better candidate for federal law enforcement, um, giving me the investigative experience, particularly for the DEA. I can certainly say in hindsight, I'm so glad I didn't get into the DEA. <laughs> Um, I think I would have liked a different realm of, of law enforcement better than just narcotics, because uh, the narcotics world is just so dirty. Um, I know, I know. And I, I wanted to go into narco, but I never had the opportunity. Well, it's just, um, 
It's a dirty world. I mean, you see plenty of dirty. I think you said you were in uh special victims. Yes, that's a dirty world in a yes. way also. Um but I mean, it's just law enforcement in general, as you know. I mean, you just encounter lots of the dirty, ugly, evil, mean, and that's what we need to do. I say we just because I, I definitely did it, um, and, and you, we need to do that job because it's important to keep, um, to create and maintain a safe society, um, which is why I got into law enforcement, because I, partially why, because I, I, there is honor in doing something that contributes to the success of our society. Is it perfect? No. And as we've talked before this, which is not a political discussion, um, but no, there's nothing, there's no such thing as perfect, but it's still important that we keep trying. Um, and so because I was on to go back, I got four and a half years. If I was still in, I would be at retirement or nearing retirement in Florida. They have a five-year drop program. So you can extend five years beyond and then really maximize what you can get in your pension. Um, but I didn't, was nowhere near that. I decided screw all of you. Uh, the experiences I had as being the only female member of the SWAT team. And then because I was on the narcotics unit, I got to meet federal investigators where we would do cases together. And I realized that the problems I was facing at the sheriff's office were not gonna go away at the federal level. And if anything, and no offense to anyone listening that's in federal law enforcement, it just felt like the egos would be a little bit bigger. Um, and I just- Was, was, it, uh, was, was it sexual harassment? Uh, discrimination. Um, you know, not blatant sexual harassment, um, but discrimination based on being a female because, I mean, just blatant statements like, I would never have put you on the SWAT team if the captain hadn't made me do it, mm. or just consistently, continuously, I was always in trouble. I was getting written up for something. I was always on probation. I was, you know, did made a mistake. I got 500 mountain climbers. And in the beginning it was, okay, this is legit. I'm making a mistake. Okay. I can do better next day. I'm going to, you know, pull my, yeah, pull my, my, pull myself up. And I, I got this, like, I'm just not the type of person that's going to wallow around. And, and I just, okay, every day, okay, I can do it. I got another day. Okay. I can do this. And then finally, after about two years of it, I thought, this really sucks. Like, and I'm looking around saying like, well, the guys I'm with are making mistakes and some of them are making serious mistakes. Like I've, I've told this story before that one of my sergeant on narcotics, who was also a team leader on SWAT, who when I did not, did not work well together. Um, one day we were doing an active shooter training scenario in the summer at one of the high schools when there's nobody there. And so and it was in a bad neighborhood, meaning if you, lay out a bunch of guns for somebody there's a good chance somebody will go take it and my he was only you know he's ranked above me so he had all the gear I mean all the you know, Benelli shotgun rifle the AR-15 all the ammo that goes with it the the flashbangs the grenades like all the stuff in his car and we come out of the training scenario of the building and his windows down his trunk is up and I literally my mouth fell open I'm like you I'm looking around like somebody else sees this. Like, I am sure it was a mistake, but a very dangerous one. And nobody ever said anything to him. He never got written up about it. And that was the end of my time because I couldn't take it. And I don't know, within a week or two, I finally went to my SWAT commander and I was like, look, I, I'm not asking for better treatment. I'm just asking for equal treatment. And he basically said, you're making more of a problem for yourself by, by telling me this right now. And then he ended up going to my SWAT team and telling them that I was trying to rat out one of my own teammates. And then they, the next thing I knew was I, I had done three undercover buys in a house 
buying cocaine, it might have been, it was probably crack because it was almost all crack. Um, but either way, felony levels of, uh, of crack. And okay, just to dumb it down for anybody, like it's not hard to reach felony levels with, with cocaine. It's hard to get felony level. You have to have a lot more weed to get to felony levels. In today's world, who cares about weed? But again, right. staying away from politics. But back then, so anyway, I'm fine. I'd do it. we had to have three buys before we could get a search warrant. I did the undercover buys myself. I'm buying it from somebody who has a rifle lean, leaning up in the corner within arm's reach as I'm buying it from. It's way out in the country, which means my backup can't even be that close because you could tell if there's cars close that shouldn't be. Yep. So all kind of reasons why this could be a dangerous scenario. I didn't know this myself. Could I be. <laughs> I, we go execute the search warrant and I find out a little while later that my entire team, because I never got to do, I never got to be on the entry team. I was always on what I called the bread van, like the equipment van. I'd be, I had all the same gear they did. I did all the same training they did, but I never, one time ever, did I ever get to be on an entry team. So anyway, I was on the bread van and um, found out later that the whole team that was on the entry team vehicle was calling me a snitch and a rat while we were going to execute the search warrant that I'd put my life on the line for. And that was it. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I went to my sergeant, my captain, you know, who far outranks me, you know, sergeant, lieutenant, captain. And I went straight into his office and I said, I want you to take me off SWAT and narcotics like yesterday. Oh, and I want day shift. I'm not doing this night stuff anymore. And he said, you got it. You'll start Monday because he knew. Anyway, so that was four and a half years in. I didn't know what to do with my life and figured law, law school can't be a bad thing obviously I'm willing to submit myself to things that really suck <laughs> so I went to law school which really sucks but I mean, I'm certainly very proud of it because ultimately it's led to where I have a practice now that in spite of my bad experiences I still very much believe in and support all law enforcement officers unless you're an idiot and make a bad decision but even then you should consult a lawyer for help um, I want to help law enforcement officers balance out all the crap that they deal with. And so in my law firm, I specialize in helping with the type of stuff that I dealt with, harassment, discrimination, but that's not exclusive to women. I certainly have a lot of women clients, but I also have male clients um, who are dealing with it for whether it's racial discrimination, uh, sexual orientation discrimination. I mean, just lots of different ways that can come up. Are you still in Florida? I'm not, I'm in Texas. So uh, I joke and say that if it weren't for my husband, I would be living in Florida on the beach with, with, with a house out on the water with a boat in my backyard. But instead- Did, did you, I'm where'd you meet your husband? Uh, so I met him in Texas because my mom was living here. Um, the summer that I, before I started law school, I came to visit my mom and sister and I met my now husband. And I thought, oh, dang it. He's all, you know, he checks all the boxes, but oh, well, I'm going to go back to Florida and go to law school and live there for the rest of my life. And then we ended up dating the entire time I was in law school. I was in Miami and he was Houston. So we'll see. We see how that turned out. I moved to Houston and we have three kids and it's wonderful, but it's not Florida. So no, it's not Florida. No. I I told you I love Dallas. Um, I'm going to San Antonio, but I've never been to Houston. Mm. Well, yeah. it's a great city. It's on the list. I'll probably drive to Austin uh, when we're in San Antonio because it's only like an hour and a half, maybe two hours away. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll probably drive there just to check it out. Um, I'll end up well, if you living. To, if you go to Sixth Street in Austin, you will see a heavy law enforcement presence for a reason. 
Um, but Austin's a cool city. It's definitely worth checking. Houston has a lot of opportunity. I, I call it the land of opportunity. Um, it's not, unfortunately, a, like a tourist destination, which is okay because we still have plenty of people. We're the fourth largest city in the country. And we, we have some of the best food you get. I mean, every type of food you could ever imagine um, from almost every continent. So <laughs> I like it, but you know, it's just not Florida. That's so. why I love New York because of every mm -hmm. type of food. But every Florida country. has international foods too. Like you can find everything down in Florida too. So uh, I, I love Miami. I wouldn't want to live inside of Miami, <laughs> no. but I love to visit Miami. Yeah. I, uh, I lived there for law school and I thought it was going to be this really great experience. And um, no offense to anybody that lives in, in um, Miami, but it's very culturally exclusive. Um, and I was, I was shocked by how I, to me, it did not feel as a very welcoming place if you were mm -hmm. culturally different. Mm. And I was really surprised by that. Wow. Yeah. So my experience in Miami is that there is a lot of scammers around. They call it mm -hmm. home of the scammers. And mm -hmm. like, you have to keep your head on a swivel and like, you have to be aware of your surroundings. Like it didn't feel safe, but mm -hmm. I like the energy of, uh, mm -hmm. I went to Muscle Beach. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, I just like the energy of that area and, and the weather obviously it was amazing. Um, Miami was cool cool to visit but i wouldn't wouldn't want to live there but i would definitely live in texas and i would live in florida also yeah um i've lived in new york we talked about this before i was in new york city we went for my husband's job and we came back to texas um my two daughters my first two kids were born there on the upper west side around i think is it um it used to be st luke's i think it's now mount sinai but uh, um anyway i know you're on Long Island, right? Yeah, I'm in the suburbs. So yeah. uh, city, um, I feel the same way with the city. It's a good place to visit. Wouldn't want to live yeah. there. Yeah, it was good for a time. We knew that we would go up there. We knew that if we were going to do it, you know, go big or go home. So we lived in Manhattan. But we're from the South. That's where our family is. We, we were hoping and we did have kids. So came back because ultimately my husband and I are both from really big families. And we wanted to be close to family for that. So um but yeah, it was a great, short, expensive experience. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you up in New York for? Um, about three and a half years. Um, oh, good time. Yeah. 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 yeah Enough. Good, good long. <laughs> and uh, what part of Florida did you work in? Was it northern? Southern? North central. So it's called north central Florida. I mean, I don't mind saying Alachua County, which is where the University of Florida is. Gainesville sits in Alachua County. I went to okay. University of Florida for college, and then I went to the police county about a week after I graduated college um, and ended up working directly for the, like Alachua County right there. And so I, I was in Gainesville for a total of 12 years between college and working. Um, and then, like I said, I moved to Miami for law school. But um, if I were still in Florida, I would think I would be either the Tampa St. Pete area or St. Augustine, two of my favorite spots in Florida. I have family in Fort Myers and mm. Cape Coral area, friends over there. Yeah. So I'm partial to that area just because yeah. I'm familiar with it. Um, mm -hmm. That's probably where I would live there or uh, somewhere in Texas. I, I have to explore more of Texas to know. Like I like being near water. That's the thing for me. You do or do not? I do. I do. Yeah. So 
well, Houston is we're one hour door to beach. Um, of course, the beach we have is not Florida beaches. Right. But I imagine I imagine Houston that. beaches being black from oil. <laughs> <laughs> it's muddy, but from the Mississippi River. Interestingly, uh -huh. and I think it's interesting that the the current the way the current in the Gulf works is that when the Mississippi dumps into the Gulf, the current carries it around through South Louisiana and around through Texas. And it's not until you get like all the way south, like almost to the, like the tip, like almost to Mexico before the water clears up and the current pulls it back out. But every once in a while, if we'll get the right kind of, this sounds bad, but the right kind of tropical storm in the Gulf that doesn't come to us, but stays out and kind of churns in the middle and then goes east, it'll pull some of that east. And so like for maybe one or two days, about every five years, we get clear water from in the gauss and i missed it last time i was so mad but um i agree with you i i have to i can't be landlocked i just love to be close to the water we don't even go that much but we go enough i mean it's right there or actually i mean i guess i go more i speak at a con i speak at conferences in galveston a couple times a year and um and then we go with family a couple times a year my kids are going to take surf lessons this summer in galveston which it's hard it's hard to really call it surfing with the kind of waves that they get but my kids like it so you have any uh, speaking events coming up um not yet this year well uh i might yes in i care if it's november december i generally spend more time speaking in the spring whenever like the conference season gears up like last year was at the texas public safety conference um, I did attend the National Association, this is a mouthful, National Association of Women Law Enforcement Executives. They had a, their conference here in Houston this year, which was great. It was, I, it was the most amazing thing to me to be in a conference full of nothing but women in law enforcement. That's um, awesome. Who are committed to it, who are committed to the growth of it, who are committed to the positive, you know, the pop, like getting more women in law enforcement, how can we recruit more? Um, because and I don't care if anybody out there disagrees with this, that the more I, the more women you have in law enforcement, the and I don't mean all, and I don't even mean majority. I think, but I think that more, um, meaning there's a, it's called the 30 by 30 initiative, which means that by 2030, they want women to compromise 30% of law enforcement, which they're nowhere close, unfortunately. It's the national average is somewhere around 13%. My department has seen so many more women yeah. join the department like i look around from uh i started 25 years ago i look mm -hmm. around there's oh, so many more women i had no idea that it was uh less than 30 percent. it seems like well that's great your department might be one of the, is one of the one-offs hopefully I, that'd be great um it, but many many departments are not like that and i don't think no in a squad of uh 20 people there may be four women so it's not even 20%. Right. Well, but that's still, again, when we, when you started that, it was, it, it was one, it was one, maybe two. Yeah. That squad. was me. I was the one, but then, well, we had some different ones. I mean, one of the, the most amazing, like the person that I, I mean, I had the big guys. I was happy when they showed up and, but there was this girl who came over from corrections and she could handle people in ways that she could like diffuse it, shut down and command the scene in a way that I'm like, good God, can that just rub off on me? It was so, it was so impressive. But my point is talking about women is 
women don't need to be all of law enforcement, but women look at and, and handle things differently. And I think that in a world where we come, we deal with so much violence and, and hate. And like I said at the start, I just think any, any, it's valuable to have different lenses that people look at things, the way that people handle different things, because, um, and, and considering that the population that you're interacting with is not all male, there are females and women just interact with people differently. So there's a lot of benefit to that. Um, you know, I, even on SWAT team, I think that what I could bring to SWAT team could, was very valuable and they couldn't see that because it was just too different. And I think we're making a lot of progress in that. Um, you know, you and I, basically, I think you and I talked first, we, we came into law enforcement around the same time. So, um, well, it's 2000, so I would be at year 23 right now. Uh, and, well, this September would be 23 years. Um, and 98, 98 for me, very close. Yeah, and yeah. so it's changed a lot since then, thankfully, but it still has a long way to go. Um, but I think our generation, and then the, when I say generation, the crop of, of law enforcement coming in, we handle those things differently than the, than the guys that were 20-year vets when we came in. And I think the ones after are doing it even more, um, I, lack of a better word, progressively, meaning guys will see, the younger guys will see things and, and say, you know, that's not fair to a female and they'll say something um, or they'll become sergeants. At, you know, and lieutenants and, and captains or whatever, and they'll do it differently. Um, you know, the biggest mistake I think I made is that I didn't report it. I didn't really report it at all, but I should have reported it at least a little bit because in hindsight, like how, how do I know they wouldn't have tried to tr give my sergeant some better leadership training? I think my captain probably would have. My captain probably, and I was just afraid that they would give them that train, make them do the training. And then and they just resent me more and it would just be worse. But, but I have no way of knowing because I never tried. And that's what I tell people all the time. And if you're facing stuff like that, say something. Cause number one is you, you just never know if it can make things better. And then number two, if you're not saying something just like I did, you are giving pieces away to your department that will take you a really long time to get back if ever. Um, because I spent about 13 years just being really mad about it. Um, mm. And I think I could have recovered from that a lot quicker had I at least spoken up for myself. And you don't have to do that in a bitchy, I don't know if you, this is G-Red, asshole-ish way. You can do it in the, you know, just a very matter of fact, you know, hey, this is not right. This is why I would like it to stop. Let's talk about it. You know, and that could go bad or it could not. <laughs> so that's what I do now. I, I heard, her, yeah, I, heard, I was watching someone's story on Instagram and I heard a really great, uh, the guy's muscular though, but he said, uh, I'd like to give you an opportunity to rephrase what you just said. He, yeah. And he said it, he said it matter of factly. And the way yeah. he said it was like, like, it was very chilling and so cold. And I was like, wow, that's, mm -hmm. that's really good. And he said, to mitigate any misunderstandings. He's wow. like, and I was like, wow, that's good. And, and, and the way he was saying it to an employee who said something disrespectful, that's but I was powerful. like, I was like, man, that is powerful. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and he, he said it in a way that allowed the guy to realize that he just said something wrong. Yeah. I'm literally writing that down. I would like 
you I'd like to give you the opportunity. Like, you have to say it straight face and no no emotion. So you have to say it straight face, no emotion. I'd like to give you the opportunity to rephrase that. And you don't have to say to mitigate any misunderstanding, but I just love that terminology. <laughs> I'm going to use it with my kids too. Maybe not the mitigate part. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> some people, some people won't know what that, some people won't know what. Try that again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to give you the opportunity uh, that's, to rephrase that. That is powerful that because even is... like if you're facing, you could even use that in like a harassment discrimination context. You just look at them and say, look, I, 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 I would like to give you an opportunity to try that again. Because, and even to say, because I think almost every conflict comes from miscommunication or lack of communication. Um, even World War II came from a miscommunication. Don't exact, don't ask me to quote exactly what it is right now. It ended up resulting there was like a an assassination, and then it evolved into World War II. Look it up. Anyway, um, yeah. So you, I just don't think you could ever go wrong in communicating, attempting to communicate in a calm and matter of fact way to assert what is important to you. Mm, I struggle with that. I uh, I try to use humor, but sometimes it comes out just sounding passive aggressive, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or sarcastic. I know my yes. husband goes for sarcasm sometimes a lot actually, but uh, I think the fact that you try, I mean, that's the important part. So. so I think that you got robbed of a really good opportunity to be in patrol. Like you were so young when they pulled you out of patrol. I guess mm -hmm. someone offered you the opportunity. And yeah. how do you say, how do you say no? Right. Did you ask for, for yeah, the transfer? I did. Or? They didn't have a, there was an opening and they didn't have any females in the narcotics unit. So I knew it would be a great opportunity. And like I said, I was trying to go for federal law enforcement and in my young 20-something self, I thought, oh, yeah, DEA sounds cool. Um, not what I would ever go for now. But um, I wouldn't know that if I had I not tried, you know, worked right. in narcotics. But um, I definitely agree. I've always been somebody that will go for something right out of the gate. And also what I know in my 40s is that there's nothing that can make up for actual experience doing something so more time in you know, and maybe that's where some of the problem came from with the guys I don't know that I was you know barely 18 months into law enforcement when I made the SWAT team and but that's their problem not mine you know like my problem is that I could have benefited from more experience my problem is not their issue with me getting it like that's your stupid issue I'm not responsible for that and I think that's where leadership training, continual lifelong leadership training comes from is seeing that, seeing where, well, why don't you, like somebody could have said, like, if you'd had a real, like my twenties, I had a really amazing mentor and supervisor trainer and the job I had before law enforcement, which was at a, well, this, this sounds weird, but it's at, was at a health and fitness center in Gainesville. It's called the Gainesville Health and Fitness Center. It's one of the most amazing places I've ever worked because they truly do leadership training for all of their employees like minimum wage they give them leadership training like seven habits of highly effective people another book is called one minute manager by ken blanchard i think everybody in law enforcement should read that book it's really short and it it if you can truly live the one minute manager meaning how you give feedback that you, you give negative feedback immediately 
and and then you give positive feedback way more than you give negative. So it's anyway, so like this is the kind of stuff I was learning in my 20s. Um, and uh, shoot, they're talking about one minute manager leadership training. Oh, and I think that just giving people the continual lifelong, like if you make any type of leadership role in law enforcement, you should continually be given leadership training because it's only through growing and developing and going through the different phases of, of just where you are right now. And, it, and in the short term, it could be days, weeks, months, but in the long term, years of truly starting to understand, well, wait a minute, that's my bias, not has nothing to do with her. You know, for one of them, which I, I, I doubt that these guys, maybe they, I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm gonna be positive Polly right now. Maybe in hindsight, that's something they could see now that it's not Bridget's fault that she's female. It's not Bridget's fault that she was given this opportunity so quickly in her career. She was given the opportunity, she seized it. And did I maybe make some of my mistakes because I was so rookie? Maybe. Um, could you have counseled me on that in a slightly different way and a more consistent way that was distributed equally amongst the entire team? Yes, um, but that's leadership training. And I don't, that's not, it's not exclusive to law enforcement that that there is a lack of leadership training. That's every job I've ever had. And that was also when I got my first law firm job, it with definitely before year two, I think it was about maybe a year and a half in, I we had like teams of attorneys with like team leads. And I just, these guys were like way, been attorneys way longer than me. And I ended up getting blamed for something and I literally like stopped in my tracks in the hallway and I thought to myself you have got to be shitting me these guys are doing the same thing that the guys at the sheriff's office did damn it I left for the wrong reason but like I said I don't regret leaving law enforcement because I can now help in a way that I would never have been able to help and on a nationwide perspective and yet my regret is never truly standing up for myself in a way that to, to take control back, to, to take back those pieces of myself that I gave away by not standing up for myself. But yeah, that's a really long way of saying like the leadership stuff, it just, it's lifelong. And also going back to you is like, yes, I did not have a lot of experience when I got those positions and you, but you could not have told me otherwise back then <laughs> that no, 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 you should get more experience in patrol. I'd be like, I totally would have been like, screw you. I'm never talking to you again. I'm going to do it anyway. So Yeah. It was well, nice. patrol patrol was where I had the most fun, but I, I did mm -hmm. it. I, you know, I, I, I was a patrol officer for six and a half, seven years. Mm -hmm. And then I was in a, like a small unit that we were still kind of doing patrol it was community mm -hmm. unit. Mm -hmm. um, so I was still doing car stops and enforcement. So it was, and, and from time to time I backfill into cars and, and work overtime. So it was like, I was patrol for a very long time. So I know that I had the most fun on patrol. Um, I believe you. And I think also patrol is, um, you get to do so many different things. You actually get to engage with your community in a positive way. My only engagement with the community was through dirty, dirty crack. <laughs> you know, and that's not engagement. That's search warrants and buying crack and seeing kids who live in filth. I mean, you see that also in patrol. I mean, that's all I ever saw was the filth associated with crack. Yeah. And, you know, and not getting to be a part of the community and not getting to be vocal about what my role was or 
being able to what I could do for my community because nobody could know who I was. I mean, they wanted to do an article on me being the only female member of SWAT, but they couldn't do it because I was an undercover narcotics. And so, yeah, it was just a lot of ways that was limiting. Um, so anybody out there, I, I totally agree with you is that there is a lot of value in all the different things that you get to experience in law enforcement. And at least when you're doing that role, it may not always seem like it, but you are getting positive interactions. Um, it, it's funny you when you're in get... patrol, you just want to get out of patrol. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when you look back, you're like, oh, that was the most fun I had. But I think there's a shelf life for any unit and it's um, three mm -hmm. to five years. You should be making totally some kind agree. of a change. I totally agree. And I, I mean, I think that's for all of life. I mean, the law firm world that I went to after, you know, if you're going to three to five years is, and then what I mean is like being an attorney in a certain field, but then move up, become partner. I mean, there's all the different ways you can change. I'll move up to sergeant, move up to lieutenant, maybe then you'll go back to that unit as a sergeant lieutenant, but that experience will be different. I mean, I think everybody should. And I also think I also have a wellness business that uh, is called protective wellness. And, um, Although lately the legal side's been keeping me way more busy, um, but part of within wellness training, one of the aspects of having a well-rounded or a balanced wellness training routine is constantly educating yourself, challenging yourself, like not ever just becoming complacent. Um, and it's it's striving for something more, studying to achieve more that helps um, prevent being you know, becoming stagnant. I think the more that you are stagnant, the more you have tunnel vision, then that starts to significantly impact the decisions you make on, you know, on the job, which can be very dangerous in law enforcement. So I think striving for that and hopefully, which means also you get some leadership training along the way, um, is important to just your overall mental health. Can you, um, take clients from anywhere in the country or can you, is your practice only in Texas? I do have clients across the country. Um, I think currently I have one in Washington state, South Dakota, um, some other Midwest state that I can't remember right now. I've even talked with guys in Hawaii um, because what, what I've done is created a firm that I know in law enforcement, you feel you can't trust anybody that you're getting thrown under the bus and you feel like you like maybe you have a union, but more than likely, if it's something that I help with, they probably don't help with these employment related. They might do it a little bit. They might, but if you have some, if like if it's internal affairs, maybe they will sit in the interview with you or something. But if it really comes down to you needing to file like harassment, discrimination, retaliation, hostile work environment, like medical uh, disability, uh, discrimination, whatever, um, then you need to talk to an attorney who can help you start and make those claims and unions don't really usually do that. Um, and so it starts with, like, I talk with clients and they say, okay, give me everything you have, I review it. And then I, I, I review it in context of what the laws are and what your options are. It starts with a federal analysis, which is why I, I help clients across the country. And then every mm -hmm. state has like their state equivalent. Like New York has their own laws on discrimination, but they generally mirror the federal laws. So I start with clients. I just call it a consultation, like give me your stuff. I'll review it. I'll tell you, and then I'll tell you what, where you need to start, what to do. And then I can even, because that's all so much federal based, like if you are going to file a harassment discrimination claim, I can also do that because like I said, that is a federal process, not a state process. But if it comes to actually getting ready to actually file a lawsuit, um, you know, if I'm not licensed, I'm licensed in four states, but um, 
Well, there's a lot that I'm not. And so I also, I've my before I had my own firm, I've practiced pretty much across the country. I can find attorneys anywhere to help you with what you're doing. And I also think it's important to find somebody who, what I call a culturally competent uh, attorney, because, meaning they understand the environment in which you work. I am a culturally competent attorney to help law enforcement because I've been in law enforcement and I know what it's like. And I know what it's like to feel attacked by with, you know, from within. And there, that's almost, to me, that was almost worse than some of the crap that I saw on the job because I never expected to come from my own guys and it did. So when I created this firm is that I wanted to be the person that I needed for myself back then. Like somebody you can trust, somebody that's confidential, somebody that's going to tell you what to do, somebody that's going to encourage you. So I help people across the country figure out what to do. And then I spend time helping them and encourage them and figure out how to overcome the problems that they're dealing with in their department. And I, I can say that I'm, I'm going to be 48 next week. And I'm finally doing like what I'm truly supposed to do with my life is helping law enforcement officers in this very specific way. Now we're the same age. Thank you so much for the uh, work that you do, Bridget. I uh, can't thank you enough for hopping on the show. I, I, has there been any really, really egregious calls that you've taken, you know, without revealing any confidentiality, but like, can you give any examples of like, and and then has, and then on the flip side of the scale, has someone called you up and said, uh, you know, somebody gave me extra work today. <laughs> I want to file a, a claim. Yeah. You know, ha- can you think of any examples? Well, yeah. Sometimes I do tell people it's not illegal to be a jerk boss. There's nothing you can do. We all, we've all had them. I guess I've already said I've had them inside and outside of law enforcement. That's not illegal. What is illegal is to be a jerk because you don't like the female or the black or the Hispanic or the disabled or the pregnant or whatever. And so what still blows my mind, people will say, and I I literally was at an attorney networking luncheon yesterday, and I was shocked that this attorney said this, a female attorney said this, you know, this, this hashtag, this me too movement, I just think it went too far. Like, because we were talking about a comment that a male had made about when females go out on maternity leave, that they basically just, they're, they're no good after that. They're no good after they have kids because they never work the same. Like that just, of course I'm a mom and they, that just boil, boils me from the inside out. Um, because I can also tell you, I never stop working hard from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep and you're a dad and I'm sure that you work hard, but good God, when I lay my head down at night, I am freaking tired because my workday was from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., not 8 to 5. So, but the the important part to think about is, and this is whether you might say something like this, this is whether you might hear somebody saying this to or about someone else, or this is for anyone who's been on the receiving end of the comment like this. In the analysis of, did you say something wrong? It is the perception of that statement, not the intent. So I have two clients that for a chief of police that will not name the area, who in two different scenarios of employees of the city, and they're talking about, oh, I've just been kind of distracted. I've been, you know, there's some things going on in my marriage and flat out asked about, are you still having sex with your husband? Like more than once. And, and then 
in one of the instances, the chief explained it as, well, we always ask that, I want to make sure you're okay, because in case it's like a domestic violence situation, and that's always something we ask in a domestic violence situation, is it helps us understand the, the relationship. Like, well, I don't know about you, I never once asked a female if she was having sex with her husband after she got beat up. Never. Never. I never yeah. asked the male if he was having sex with his wife. It's not relevant to a domestic violence situation. It's not a reason. It's not an excuse. No, it's, it's a not curiosity. Anything. It's a curiosity. It's just a weird curiosity. Yes. And so this chief then fired both of the women that reported him for asking this question of them more than once and is mad and said, well, that's not, that was not, that's not what I meant. And you know that, and you're just lying. Like, um, thank you very much for the two very valuable cases that landed on my desk. Um, but it's just amazing the stupid, stupid stuff that people still say out loud. You know, some of it is more um, circumstantial, like mine, where they, they never said, you suck because you're a female. I, they, my, although my lieutenant never said, I didn't want you on the team because you're female. He did explicitly say, I never wanted you here. The captain made me put you here. But if you if you put that together with how like I was the only one ever in trouble, not the guys. But sometimes it's just that explicit stupidity or women who say, you know, the lieutenant grabbed my breast or, you know, he came up and grabbed my ass or, you know, like other stupid things. So like That's the blatant. guys from That's Hawaii blatant. is blatant or the guys from Hawaii, like this one lieutenant just kept making all these racial things that he probably thought was funny. It was like two Hispanics and like, a, uh, I think a black, black guy or vice versa. And he kept walking up and goes, what's this? Like a Mexican taco? Like just like, you know, different races sandwiching together. Like, and he just kept saying stuff like that to the point where they're like, dude, that's not funny. Like, shut up in today's world. That's just, we all know that's stupid. And they just don't shut up. So I'm just saying, you, you, we've all heard it. And I'm not saying there's jokes, there's banter. I mean, we've all heard jokes. They're like, good grief. I could give you more specific examples that don't really feel G-rated. <laughs> so <laughs> I could tell you offline sometime, but um, certainly it's, it's ridiculous, the stuff that people still say. So my oh. advice to everyone out there, don't be stupid. Think about what you're saying because Again, the the more younger people that you're around, the less likely they are to put up with it. What's your next project that you have going on? You said you don't have any speaking events coming up. So what's next? Well, client work. I got two client calls after this with the um, actually the ladies that are were dealing with the chief that made the stupid comments, um, prepping for some hearings. Um, I do. Um, regularly put out video content. So even though I'm not speaking at conferences, I do regularly put that out. So certainly encourage everybody to follow along. How? To find that information. You can just, uh, well, we definitely put the videos on YouTube, Lady Law Shield. Um, Lady Law Shield. Lady Law Shield. So, and also my website, ladylawshield.com is if you ever think you need help for something, I do offer free 15 minute consultations um, to figure out if, Generally, within 15 minutes, I can say, yes, there's something I think that's there, and I, I think you could benefit from my legal opinion. Um, or I can say, no, your boss is just a jerk, um, but look out for X, Y, and Z, and if that this happens, let me know. Call me back. Um, but I do try and put out 
helpful, useful information a lot. Um, and everybody should get on my email list because I send out helpful information often. Hey, Bridget, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time and I appreciate the work that you do. It was really yeah. fun talking to you and I'll talk to you soon. Hold on one second. Thank you. All right. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of their story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at davidleith1. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.